Hey y'all, it's your girl Keith of Kentucky and you're tuned into another episode of So There's That, the podcast. We're on episode 17 and this one is going to be entitled Surviving the Series. And if you're putting two and two together right now, you're completely correct. Um, listener's discretion is advised for this episode is going to be focused on the Lifetime docuseries Surviving R. Kelly. Uh, some of the topics, some of the language that we're going to be using is going to be sexually explicit in nature as it's going to be a depiction of everything that we witnessed on this docuseries of real or alleged events that occurred over a span of time of like 20 years. Um, and that is from the viewpoint of people and family members and coworkers and everybody who dealt with R. Kelly. This episode also is going to be special to me because one, you know, sexual assault and trauma is something that I hold dear in my heart, that I am an advocate for people who have suffered, um, by the hands of other people. Uh, I really want to continue the conversation a few months ago. I, I forgot what the subject was. It was probably Bill Cosby. And I did a survey on my Instagram page asking pretty much people to give me their stories of their sexual trauma. I will post that to the page. All of it was anonymous. And I just want to make sure that we're continuing the conversation so we can have as much prevention as possible and uh, help and assistance to people who are victims and uh, and survivors, essentially. Um, so. I did have a few listeners submit voice messages to me through the Anchor app so that I could get uh, various different types of point of views. Uh, I didn't want it to be one sided here, even though you would think a subject like this should only be one side. But I am aware of different um, I'm aware of different point of views. Hell, like last week, I was just not last week, but a few episodes ago, I was one of the people that said I could definitely remove the art from the artist. And I'll get into it a little bit later, but my mind has definitely changed after viewing this documentary. And I, I just can't with Robert Kelly anymore. Not Robert Sylvester Kelly really can. Um, he could go to hell for all I care after this viewing this docuseries. Some people may say that's a little... Uh, quick and haste. I don't know how you feel. I just felt like it was enough for me. I feel like I peep vibes. I peep energy. And I feel like a lot of the women on the show um, were very sincere in, in their um, their interviews and the things that they witnessed and saw and felt during their time of being around him. So before we get deeper into this conversation, uh, I want you to know you can go over to my Facebook page at Keith of Kentucky like that for more information on podcast release um, commentary, all that stuff, as well as uh, you can head over to my podcast Instagram page at so there's that pod for all new updates and knowledge of release, as well as commentary on the latest in pop culture, reality TV and world events. So this is going to be one of my more serious episodes. Y'all know that I usually am very light to lighthearted. I like to laugh. I like to make you guys laugh. But um, like I said, I am an advocate for sexual assault victims. And I just felt like I don't want to shower away from this conversation, nor did I want it to be um, one segment of an episode. It deserves an entire episode. So throughout this episode, repeating myself, I am going to talk about a little bit of the background. 
Um, I'm going to talk about some of the things that annoyed me, some of the things that um, tugged at my heartstrings. And then um, in between segments, or maybe at the end, I'm going to be inserting a lot of the listeners' points of views. And I really appreciate everybody who reached out to me downloaded this whole ass app on their phone just so that they they could give me their point of view. So I really appreciate any and everybody who, you know, downloaded the app and then offered me their points of view. So I'm really looking forward to getting that out there to the rest of the world and just being able to have your voices be heard and you contribute your voices as well. Hey, Keitha, this is Duffy. I'm from the great city of Washington, D.C., and I'd like to say fuck R. Kelly. Uh, we have heard the stories. Uh, we've watched the sketches. We have seen the, the cartoons. We've seen the news stories. And uh, watching this documentary and hearing these women's stories, uh, seeing them. Uh, putting uh, faces to to the voices and the stories is is heartbreaking um to know that we have as a community uh, enabled and allowed a predator like R Kelly to succeed and thrive uh it's sad so sad the commentary going on online uh, as, uh, you know, the companion piece uh, to each one of these episodes is equal parts infuriating uh, to see that we as a, a community, a black community, uh, still don't believe and and value, you know, the bodies and the minds and the emotional well-beings of those who have been sexually assaulted, uh, placing the blame on the victim and and none on on the the aggressor, the perpetrator, on and R. Kelly is a, a big example of that. Okay, y'all. So again, I'm going to be inserting listener commentary in between segments. First thing I want to do is talk about the docuseries and what it entailed. This past week, Lifetime released a docuseries that gave us a chronological history of R. Kelly's sexual deviant and criminal behavior. In this six-part series, we're given an in-depth point of view from the victims, the colleagues, witnesses, or um, enablers, I'd say. Um, We also had commentary from different music journalists, clinical psychologists, musicians in the industry of today, John Legend, shout out to you. Activists, former employees, childhood mentors, everybody that was around him. But my one criticism that I'm gonna say right here, right now is why the fuck was Charlemagne called? (laughs) Like who, who, I mean, I know it was, I think it was produced by, Dream Hampton and I don't want to be I think I followed her on Twitter for some time now I know she hasn't been on there in a while but uh I was aware of who she was and I think it was through a mutual friend but I'm just trying to find out 
why Charlemagne? Like of all the people, I just feel like Charlemagne is so problematic and as well versed as he is. And like I said, I've looked up to this man as far as radio personality is, is concerned. But and one of the reasons, funny enough, that I looked up to him is because he really just says a lot of the shit that people think. And as we know from the 45 group, y'all know who that is. Um, that can be problematic to say what you're thinking. <laughs> so, um, I, I had a little, I have felt a way about Charlemagne being called up to provide his commentary on R. Kelly when he pretty much admitted on one of his podcasts that he raped somebody and he was actually brought on charges. I think he was found not guilty for it. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't dig really into that story. All I know is Charlemagne, Charlemagne had the word rapist floating around him himself. So I didn't understand why he was called upon to be interviewed and give his input about R. Kelly besides being uh, someone who speaks on music a lot. But I didn't need that. I didn't ask for that. <laughs> but I guess you can't win them all. Um Besides him, all of them combined gave us a, a better glimpse of all the horrible acts that occurred over this time. So in the first few episodes of the docuseries, um, it speaks to just about every rumor that you've ever heard about him. From the Aaliyah marriage, when she was only 15, they doctored up her birth certificate saying that she was 18 in order for them to be married. She was 15 at the time. That's one thing that we know that is factual. So of all the things <laughs> that people are talking about, and I'm not going to go on the slippery slope right here because I'm going to talk about the social media perception right now. But it's it's just so hard <laughs> just to to see people that are so in defense of R. Kelly when there are certain things that we are no, we know are factual. So the Aaliyah marriage, we know that's factual. There are source documentations for that. There is a marriage certificate out there that's all public record. Uh, she was 15 at the time. She was definitely not 18. Um, we learned a little bit more about the child porn slash sex tape in the trial that was delayed several years and seemingly on purpose to which we learned uh, and only ended up with an acquittal. And um, we also learned that he had several other cases against him that he settled out of court. Now, if you paid attention to R. Kelly as he was probably at his height, um, he was doing interviews around the same time that the trial was going on. We learned about that. But I was a little bit younger when a lot of this stuff was going on. I didn't really peep the seriousness of it all. And that could be my ignorance to it all. And again, that could be just my love for music and not trying to associate that man with the acts and only hearing things. But this documentary went so far deep in depth that it's, if you're turning a blind eye at this point, it's because you're choosing to. It's not out of ignorance anymore. So I definitely learned a lot here. Um, so those first few episodes talked about um, things from his the marriage to Aaliyah, his marriage to Andrea Kelly. I'm going to talk a little bit about her. The, the sex tape scandal, the child porn scandal, essentially is what it is. I don't like to minimize it to just being a sex tape because it's child porn. So... <laughs> And there's nothing funny about that. That is my awkward laugh. But um, when I think about that time, I think I was, what, what time frame was that in? 
I do remember being old enough to know that that was something that was fucking hot on the streets. Like motherfuckers was looking for the R. Kelly tape. They wanted to see it. And I don't know if it was just the mystery of trying to figure out is that R. Kelly or what, but it was in retrospect, disgusting <laughs> that people are in search of this video just to watch it. That it was being bootlegged. That it was being sent all over the place for people to watch. And I know um, that it wasn't just everybody being a fucking detective. It was people getting their rocks off to this tape too. And it was a 14 year old kid on the tape. Not only that, not, not only just participating in sexual acts, but being urinated on. And, uh, it was just crazy. So we, we also heard about the relationship. What I learned is that the girl that was in the tape, there was two females in the tape. Um, the girl, the youngest girl was Sparkle's niece and Sparkle introduced the niece to R. Kelly. And we're starting to get into some problematic themes. I'll get into that as well. Um, the last few episodes seem to unveil that Kelly had moved more towards being smarter and more uh, like he was just working a little bit more smarter and, and, and not harder with his dark endeavors. Like he was picking legal, just just legal women, like women turning 19. So you think you look at a 19 year old girl and you're like, she's legal. So she's grown, you know, she can make her own decisions. But he was doing that purposely because he likes his women young. And he was keeping them. But um, over the last few years here, which is what the last few episodes focused on, is that he's keeping like a bunch of women around, which he did pretty much throughout his career. But I guess he got a little bit smarter with making sure that it were at least 18, 19. Um, and I can't believe Torre did uh, one of the music journalists that was on there. I remember this so um, vividly, but we just joked about it. And Torre did an interview with him and asked him straight off. And this was right after the, the trial. This was something that they talked about in the series as well. Asked him, does he like teenage girls? And you would think that anybody that's trying to cover their ass would say straight off. No, I don't like, I don't like, I don't fuck with teenage girls. I just got off this trial. You're trying to get me caught up. What the fuck are you doing? But he said, how old are we talking? And that if there was anything that could have been memed or talked about <laughs> as much as that interview was talked about when it came out, that was it. Like, that's how I know this nigga really can't read and write. And he probably really like dumb and no shade, but he probably really is dumb. Um, and and he really the biggest thing about this docu series is to show that he has really been he's been him. He hasn't felt a need to hide who he is. He's been hiding in plain sight. That is a common trend or theme um, of what I'm hearing from different people is that it's starting to click. The light bulb went on for a lot of people because everything is starting to motherfuckers is starting to connect the dots of how they were introduced to R. Kelly, the people that he's collaborated with, to his lyricism and the things that he writes about. And I've told you guys already that R. Kelly's music makes me, um, it makes me feel some type of way. It made me at the age that I was, I'm 30 right now, at the age that I was listening to some of that music, 
I felt like I wasn't supposed to be listening to that music. I said that last episode, it felt like I was watching porn, listening to his music and then watching the docu-series and hearing from one of his victims that he was writing these songs about these women that he was, he was controlling. And, uh, there is now a dark cloud over all of his music. And that is one of the reasons why I just cannot, I can't listen to his music. I cannot purposely search for his music, which I haven't done. Um, but I can't just let it rock. Like I might have to step out of a room out of protest, not to listen to his music. And that's dead ass. It might be extra. It's whatever you want to feel, feel your feelings and everybody's entitled to how they felt about this docuseries. If you thought it was bullshit or if you thought it shed light on a lot of stuff like I did, um, it is what it is. (laughs) I'm not going, I told, I told y'all I'm protecting my peace. I've been on a deleting spree and it feels good. (laughs) I'm protecting my peace and I'm protecting my space in 2019 Um, you, you, you ain't going to get to me, um, this year. It just ain't going to happen. Uh, so however you felt about it, cool. Um, but it's just, it's, it's just crazy how much stuff he was showing us. And we was just like, no, the nigga's good. He sounds good. (laughs) The nigga make good songs. So if you want to piss on people, you know what I'm saying? Not to make a joke about it, but that's exactly how we took it as his audience, um, and that's sad to me. So, I, so like I said, getting back on subject here, when in his latter years, like these last few years, as soon as 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 soon as like 2017, I think that's when they picked up the Jocelyn Savage story, um, to where his the parents reached out to TMZ to kind of put a spotlight on this issue that they hadn't seen their child in three years or so. So (laughs) I'm going to cut right now for a listener commentary, but when I come back, I'm going to let you know about all the things that annoyed me. But like I said, as a recap, the docuseries over the six parts that it it broke down everything from the Leah scandal, we heard from about six or seven survivors, um, one of which met him at his fucking trial while she was 16 years old, cutting from school. That... I don't even, I don't even know how to feel knowing that, um, and knowing that there's pictures of him walking to the courtroom with this girl (laughs) holding up like a free R. Kelly goddamn newspaper and shit. And and we just like, well, shit, niggas, I, (laughs) I don't know what we was doing back then, but I'm looking at this now and it's so disturbing. I don't know if it's because I'm a parent. I don't know what it is, but looking back, at the stuff that we just let, we swept under the rug, is crazy. It is so crazy to me. And the fact that this nigga just kept releasing music and we was like, fiesta, fiesta, like, fuck it. So that being said, I'm going to let you guys listen to another listener. What's up, Keitha? This is Daphne. I'm big mad that this is only a minute, but I thought that the R. Kelly docuseries ended with the perfect message, and that was everything that you do in the dark will come to light by Dominique's mother. It was so powerful that she said that to end it, you know? Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care what industry you work in, how powerful you are, how much money you make. It will come to light, and something's going to happen. 
I also love the fact that the women on there were so open. You know, it's not easy to talk about those things. It's not easy to say, yeah, you know, I engaged in these acts at the time. And now I'm looking back and saying, what the fuck was going through my mind? But I'm here to tell the story. And I was a victim. And it's not only is it sending a powerful message to to abusers, but it's sending a powerful message to to victims and people who are going through this. And I love the fact that they had uh, psychologists on there who are breaking it down for people. And I hope that victims can watch it and say, you know what, I'm not going to be this anymore and I'm going to do something about it now. All right, jumping right back in again. I want to say thank you to the listener commentary that I'm getting here. A lot of it's very positive, eye-opening. Just your point of view. Thank you for contributing your voice. Getting back in, now I want to try to talk about a few things that uh, annoyed me. Uh, some of the things that I liked about it. And then, uh, you know, some of the questions that I had, some of the judgments that I had, I'm going to be all the way real with you guys about how I felt because although it was a great docu-series, I think there were a few things that could have been left by the wayside just for a a larger impact overall um, for what was going on. First off, one of the things that I liked about this docu-series is that it was very simple. It was um, all these different people, like I said, the colleagues, we had John Legend, we had a few of the survivors speak out openly, transparently about their experiences and things that they went through. And even though at some points they did get choked up, they were able pretty much to fulfill the task of letting us know exactly what their stories were and how they dealt with the things that they were going through. The one thing that I would like to know is they did give us a short little um where are they now and how are they doing type um, thing at the end. I would have liked to see um, maybe clips of that. I just in my heart, I feel like I want to know that they're okay. Um, so yeah, that's just me and my Pisces ass. Like I was, I'm like listening to their stories and I'm emotional and I want to know that they're okay. Um, because it was a lot of stuff that was going on. It's not only just sexual perverted things that's going on with them. They're also physically being hit and kept locked up and not only not allowed to speak to certain people, they're being isolated from their family at this point. And uh, so that's the one thing I really enjoyed just having a black background, having just a subtle music track, but ultimately, the main focus being the victims and their stories, as well as the other people, the colleagues, the family members um, and the clinical psychologists, like my friend Daphne said, having them kind of give a back brief of how abusers work and how victims are, um, because I think that matters in the, because a lot of the naysayers out there, if they were only just listen to the psychologists point of view, like these people who spent years and years in school breaking down human emotion and um, all that, you know, they got paid to do this. And, uh, you know, there's there's no reason for them to lie about any of the things when it comes to an abuser. Um, if they paid attention to that, they will see a lot of the the background as to what is going on here. So that's the one thing that I really liked is that it was simplistic. It was just um, clips of um, them back in the day and then uh, 
just them sitting in front of a black screen, in front of a green screen and telling their story. So that was one of the things that I truly enjoyed about it. Um, I learned a lot, like I said. Um, I, you know, I heard, I don't think we took any of the shit that was going on, like I said, in the 90s seriously. Like from some of our like comedic stuff, like some of the stuff that was going on in the 90s, it couldn't dare happen in 2019 ever. And I don't know if that is due to sensitivity, but the one thing I can say for certain is that sensitive or not pedophilia in a sense because if we're talking about he met Aaliyah at 12 okay this was a lot of grooming and he was probably doing a lot of manipulating to get her to the point at the age of 15 that she would marry him <laughs> like and Aaliyah seemed like a very smart girl she seemed very wise beyond her years and I think that's one of the reasons why People didn't make a big deal about it because Aaliyah came on the scene, even being so young, very mature, very beautiful. People could see why others were engulfed with her and her personality and, you know, how she looked and how she maintained herself and how she didn't have to be, you know, dressed up and all this makeup on and that she was just a natural beauty. Um, so I think a lot of people looked at her and it's like, oh, she's mature. I could see why R. Kelly and not putting two and two together. This shit is horrible. What are we doing? Why are we not looking at this a little bit deeper than what it is? So like I said, in the beginning, this is one of the confirmed things that we knew is that they had a relationship. Not only they had a relationship, but they had a marriage, which I mean, if you put two and two together about the type of music that R. Kelly was making at the time, they were definitely fucking like they were definitely doing that. And that was one of the allegations that was made on the show by one of the background singers for R. Kelly is that she was on a tour bus at some point and um, the door flew open and she witnessed R. Kelly and Aaliyah having sex. One of that, that kind of is my segue into all of these people, these people that were close um, to R. Kelly and to the victims, um, some knowing both, you know, at a time, some remembering that point in time when they were a part of his life, ultimately being enablers, um, ultimately supplying him, the girls, ultimately getting him in these high school parking lots so that he could meet up with other girls and then being hush hush about it. Um, but coming on the scene and providing all this witness accounts about about the things that he was doing back then. I'm kind of trying to figure out where their, their heads was. But then again, like I said, I'm trying to find out where all of our heads was because he was very well doing all this shit right in front of us. And uh, we didn't care because the nigga could hold a note. And that's it's wild to me now. But I was right there with y'all, too. I was a little younger, but I think I was a little bit I think I was old enough to feel weirded out obviously about it so um that was one of the things I really hated about it but I mean we had to have those type of people around in order for us to understand the story and the witness accounts of everything that was going on so like I said he was getting these girls um, by promises of getting them into the industry meeting them on photo shoots video shoots things of, things of that nature and it seems like you know, it was a current theme of him getting into their heads, treating them like the only girl in the world. And then it moved on to a little something darker of like, now you need to call me daddy. 
uh, okay, now you don't need to look at nobody else in the room. You don't get to talk to nobody else. Um, and ultimately some of the girls kind of suffering from what I would say Stockholm syndrome. And a lot of people don't like to use that word, but I think it's absolutely what it is. And, um, why I think that is the case is because they're, they're girls with hopes and wishes of getting into the industry. And however you look at that, that's, you know, it, it is what it is, but they've got these hopes. And so they got this man who's taking advantage of them and, and probably showering them with gifts and putting them in the lap of luxury for the most part. And even though they're seeing this grand side of R. Kelly, when it gets dark, it's like it's kind of hard to run from the things you know, especially with Andrea Kelly. Moving on to another uh, another thing here, because I think I finished my thought as far as that's concerned. It's I think the the girls that were wrapped up, uh, the victims or the survivors. Um, a lot of people say, well, why he didn't he didn't really keep you guys hostage or anything like that. Um, I think it's easier said than done. Um, when somebody gets in your mind and they let you know that, you know, I'm the only person that gives a shit about you. Look at all the things that I do for you. Um, look at what, um, the position that I can put, put you in. Um, you're ungrateful, you know, like just think about being told those types of things. If you're a strong-minded person, then yeah. But again, we are talking about 14 to 17 year old girls. Imagine where your mindset was at that time. I could tell you me. I don't know, man. I probably would have been bent out of shape. I was real emotional about my boyfriends growing up. <laughs> so I could only imagine where I would be um, had I been in a situation like that. So that's one thing. Okay, I'm going to get into some more stuff here in a second. I'm going to give you guys another portion of listener commentary so i'll be right back after that i don't know why everybody's surprised because all this information we knew okay we watched the same media outlets we heard the same stories about r kelly going to high schools scoping out young women we heard of the alleged marriage we heard of allegedly keeping girls locked in her basement in, in his basement so we, we knew all that so let's not act like this is all new information we knew that okay r kelly was acquitted of all charges so in the eyes of the law he's still innocent okay so Let's not necessarily be mad at R. Kelly. Well, I mean, we don't know if he's innocent or guilty, but really, let's just be mad at all the people who enable this behavior, if it is true, the execs, the artists who collaborated, the people behind the scenes who didn't speak up, okay? They probably deserve more shame and more blame. And let's take all this alleged activity off the table, and let's look at the facts. Aaliyah's parents still allowed their daughter at 12 years old to record and make music with a grown man, possibly without total supervision that's the real story this is gabriel all right we're back and we're gonna get into some of the shit that i was just like what the fuck is this really okay and that is really the last two episodes of the whole docuseries i thought it was really great up until the last two episodes and i'm gonna tell you why here are all of my questionable things before we even get into the last two episodes andrea kelly I, uh, I feel like there's a lot of, I'm trying not to judge her because she was the wife. All right. And, um, she dealt with her own bout of abuse herself. Um, but 
there have been live videos that have surfaced and I'm just like, girl, it is very hard to really know where her head is. I am not going to take away from her story. Okay. I'm trying to, I'm trying to miss my words. I don't want to say the wrong shit. I'm not discrediting her. I just want her to, uh, I want her to get in some therapy because I need her to pick a side. I don't want to watch a six part documentary of tears, 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 upset, upset. I personally dealt with this. Um, I hope you go to hell, Robert. And then having people DM me, shout out to Nas. I saw it. I saw it. Whatever. You know, you, you still won't discredit. The thing about this thing is one person can fuck it up for everybody, unfortunately. And Andrea, the way that she's been um, kind of handling this shit has been all wrong because it can look very suspect. She was on the docuseries crying upset. You know, I'm getting, you know, I'm not saying anything about that, but to look at a lot of her singing along to her song, calling Robert, her baby daddy, which is all accurate and all true. But I would assume that somebody who's been choked, who's been picked up, who's almost gone into, um, pre labor with her child, who's been through all these things. I get forgiving and forgetting. (laughs) Oh Lord. But in that case, I just don't know. So I really, I understand people looking at her specifically and saying, okay, girl, what was really going on? But again, victims kind of have their own ways of dealing. And not only that, um, a lot of the victims were kind of with, um, exception of their, their trauma, their mental trauma that they had were able to walk away and be free of this nigga outside of, like I said, the mental things that they could work out with psychologists, therapists, stuff of that. Like there's some things, some scars that aren't physical. Right. So, but Andrea, she got three whole ass kids with this nigga. So I feel like I want to judge her. I want to say these type of things about her. I want to ask her, why are you still holding on to this man's last name? Um, but then I am reminded that she has kids by him and, he, since he isn't locked up and he hasn't been, um, uh, you know, he doesn't have any allegations that's led up to any charges yet. He still can talk to his kids and stuff. Now, would I personally let this nigga be around my kids? I probably wouldn't. I would have to let my kids know that you mean you're, you're just, I, for y'all safety. I don't know if I could have, um, y'all around him like that. And that's, and that's dead ass. And yeah. And, and, and men, I'm sorry, you could fill your fills and all that. But if I dealt with you um, sexually abusing me within our marriage, because that is totally possible, by the way. I just want to make sure you guys are on. We're, we're all good on that. That's possible. That is something that happens. You definitely can be raped within your marriage. And um, even one of the victims, I, be, I believe Lisa Allen, she said that she had got pregnant. If she asked for an abortion because she wasn't sure if this nigga would molest his own child. And I believe, um, you know, when it comes to Andrea Kelly, I don't know if I can have my kids around him knowing what he did to me. So that's what I got on that.
as far as Andrea Kelly is concerned. Now, these last two, these last two episodes were focused a lot on his later point in life from 2016 and beyond to where he's getting these 19 year old girls, these girls that he's been grooming for some time now. Now they're legal. And now he's having them come live in his mansions in fucking, well, he had one in Florida. He's got them all over the place because he's a rich nigga, but you know, he's got them staying with them. And now we've got families who essentially linked him, linked their child up with R. Kelly. And, um, now they're they're trying to find out how to get back in touch with their children. And so I'm befuddled, nigga. Like, I am trying to figure out. And, and let me be judged for this. This is one and only time. I'm not talking about any of the victims prior to these last few ones over the last few years. Because these girls were um, handed over, essentially, from... You know, they were handed over by their parents. Now, one of the families, they, they daggone met R. Kelly by means of going to one of his concerts after his trial, after his allegations, being completely aware of what he is capable of. R. Kelly brings the girl up on the stage and these niggas don't even, they don't move a muscle. <laughs> Not only that, but then, you know, like some other ones, they wanted to get the girl into a, a, the music industry. And as of like late, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just feel like it's a setup. R. Kelly ain't had no fucking hits in I don't know how long. So anybody from 2000, let me, let me, um, what's the last big hit that R. Kelly had? I might have to look that up, but there, I don't feel like it's been nothing since maybe go get a, uh, go get a by, what is a young Jeezy? I feel like that's like one of the last hits, same girl. Is that it? He ain't made a hit like that in a long time. He ain't popped in a very long time. So for me to be like, oh, I'm trying to get my daughter into the industry. I'm going to get with R. Kelly. Great writer indeed. Great producer indeed. But knowing all the things I know about him, uh, wouldn't you want to go like, let's let's go with the Neo selection. This nigga writes pretty well too. Like, you know, he got a lot of Grammys. Grammys, you want to go to Candy? Candy brags about all of her Grammys. Like, come on, let's go. We could find more more different people that are credible that won't snatch your child up. Because we know at this point in the 2010s, you should be well aware of R. Kelly. Anything prior to that is sus. And I, I can understand anybody who had their suspicions or whatever the case may be, you know, prior to the 2010s. <laughs> okay. I'm going to let you feel your feelings and have your thoughts and opinions about that. But in the 2010s to 2019, nigga, you should know that R. Kelly is out here snatching the girls and got them locked up. So for the parents in episodes, what, five and six? Uh, long time. Except for Dominique's mom. I really felt for Dominique's mom um, because Dominique found out when she was not of age. She called up R. Kelly herself and said, nigga, (laughs) wrong child. Um, But unfortunately, Dominique went behind her mom's back. She became of age. I think she was like 22 at some point said, hey, man, mom, love you. I know you told me not to fuck with this dude, but I'm going to (laughs) go. You got me a flight. I'm about to go take it. I'm about to go to Atlanta. I catch you on the flip side. And for her, she felt like 
<laughs> not for me, not in this house. You know, my daughter told me that I'm like, no, you definitely ain't going nowhere, but okay. But she let her go ahead and do her. And I understand that because there's a learning lesson at some point she's of age. Ugh. Like she kind of had her hands tied as to she, she couldn't really put her foot down. But let me tell you, I would have did my best. I would have did everything I could. So that she was the only person I've had sympathy for out of the whole parent scenario at the end. But all these other parents, I feel like they, I don't want, allegedly these niggas set their kids up. Okay. Listen, tell me if I'm wrong, but I do feel like that. Now, I'm not talking about any of the other victims from the previous episodes, but they are all 16, 17, and they were going behind their their parents backs and 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 for the people who are, who keep on expressing even my friend Rashid just now where were the parents where were they at I was a young girl <laughs> I was a young girl I was a young girl to a single mom and trust me um we be making shit happen um and that's why I gotta keep my eyes to the streets when my daughter gets older because I know there's ways we can bypass the system. And I don't know why these niggas is acting like they didn't shoot us the, the fucking text with the T9. You know what I'm saying? The predictive text telling us where to meet them up at. They know that we could be sneaky just like they could be sneaky. Except for they don't get the same type of, they don't get the, men don't get the same type of, uh, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the word. They don't get the same type of speeches girls get. So they're, ultimately allowed to do whatever the fuck they want and girls have to kind of cheat the system in order to you know have their little their getaways and shit with their boo things and people that they want and we absolutely learn the system after a while um because some of us can be sneaky and um we figure out ways to get you know for our parents not to know so it's not the parents fault it's you know ultimately on the grown-ass people that take advantage because as kids, we don't know the danger that we're putting ourselves in. We're just trying to fulfill that little bit of fantasy that we have in our head, that thing that we have, thinking that shit is all, all right and things are going to be okay and it's all innocent. Uh, and it's not. It's not innocent at all. So, um, yeah, man, I, can't, I, 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 can't, I cannot put the blame on all the parents um, mentioned here because... Um, I think that there were, um, I, I just can't, I can't put the blame on the parents. I can only put the blame on Robert. I just, I, I just, I'm not doing this with y'all. <laughs> I'm not putting no blame on no kids. I'm not calling no girls fast. I'm calling these grown ass niggas with all these grown ass vaginas walking on these big streets of this big ass America, this big ass world that we in, um, out of all of them, the good ones, the bad ones, the fine ones, the fat ones, y'all pick the child vaginas. And that is crazy to me. Too many grown women, too many grown women for y'all to be doing this. That being said, another break. And then we're going to get into another one of my thoughts reviews. Hello, my name is Chanel, and this is my input on the R. Kelly situation. I think the, the part that bothers me the most is people having a difficult time separating the art from the artist, right? I know that's a big deal for everybody, but I would just like to point out that 
you know, how can you separate the art from the artist when the artist is literally singing and self-titling and, you know, uh, essentially talking about not only sex acts, but his conf- his inner conflicts with those sex acts. My mind's telling me no, my, but my body is telling me yes. He's calling himself the Pied Piper, which is literally a mythical character that used to lure children with his music. Children, not adults. Uh, so calling himself the Pied Piper, uh, you know, age ain't nothing but a number, getting down ain't nothing but a thing. Like, he's hiding in plain sight with this stuff. So how do you separate the artist from the art when they're one and the same, literally? Like, it should be that easy. That's my take. And another thing is, you know, just giving the example of Bill Cosby, right? So Bill Cosby essentially did the same thing. It just, I mean, he, he's raping women, but he was drugging older women to rape them. So he's essentially doing the same thing, but it's easier to separate his art from him because in his shows, his TV shows, his stand-up comedy, everything else like that, it's it's not sexual in nature. It's family stuff. It's, you know, clean humor. He's not talking about drugging and raping women. So his art literally does not even coincide a little bit with uh, his personal life. So that's the difference between him and Bill Cosby. When it comes to R. Kelly, like I said, it's one in the same. He's literally talking about having, not only having sex, but having sex with underage girls. And that's all I can think about whenever I hear his music, especially now. So that's why it's easy for me to separate the two. And that's what people need to think about when they want to support him. Well, every time you hear Bump and Grind or any other song, just think about this motherfucker singing about fuck. All right. So, um, Thanks again, guys. The next thing that I want to talk about is, along with the parents, another one of my annoyances was these two grown-ass women, these women that were well into their 30s, that were aware of all the shit that was going down between R. Kelly and the allegations and all that stuff. Kitty Jones, girl. Um, I just want to give you all a quick back brief. I was in Texas for four years. I lived there. And during this time, there was a radio personality by the name of Vita Loca who had an afternoon show at the time. And she like they ceased all music one afternoon, rolling home from work and there's no music. There's an interview going on. And lo and behold, it's Vita Loca and she is interviewing Miss Kitty Jones. And Kitty Jones is one of the people that were interviewed for the Surviving R. Kelly docuseries. She met R. Kelly at the age of 33. Okay. Uh. And she is a radio host herself and she had no fucking knowledge apparently of the R. Kelly sex tape or never viewed it and never, you know, she thought it was just rumors, whatever. And it took for her to have her friend, which I'm guessing is Vita Loca, to be honest with you. Um, all of this allegedly, I don't know who fuck watch the show, but I ain't trying to never get no kind of legal baby arm. Anyways, um, Somebody had to tell her, hey, girl, do you know that you fucking with a pedophile? I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, basically. And from that point on, she asked R. Kelly. And that's when the relationship became abusive. To that I say, and there was another 30, there was another 30 something lady. And uh, I'm not going to get into her story because between y'all two girl, y'all grown ass women. I know here at 30 here today, okay, that's like me dating R. Kelly today. And they're like, oh, the nigga, he's a changed nigga. Absolutely not. No way. Are you crazy? No. No. There's enough common sense in your mind at this point. At 33, excuse me, 
No, absolutely not. I'm not standing for it. I won't stand for it. And that is why I believe that the parent part of this whole shit and these two grown ass old ladies dating him in 2017 and shit. Okay. What y'all needed to figure it out. Y'all needed to go in and was y'all investigating the shit. Was y'all trying to find out if the shit was factual. The rumors were true. Nigga. Like I really couldn't understand why we were given their points of views. Now I'm not going to take from them from being victims of assault or abuse, but for the most part, as far as some of the shit is concerned, I feel like, and this is going to sound horrible and beat me up for this. It's okay. But they kind of put themselves in that position. All right. Especially, especially because Kitty Jones works in the music industry. She works in radio. So essentially as a radio host, you have to be up on the latest greatest. You have to have some kind of knowledge of music history. You have to be able to talk to people. You have to be able to interview people. You have to ask some hard questions. She was completely and totally aware of this nigga and his acts and the allegations and the tape and all that shit. And you're not going to tell me no different than that. So I couldn't really get into the last episode. I found myself doing a lot of during that last episode because I was just like, what, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? But yeah, now if it was just a regular nigga that all of a sudden turned rogue, like I could understand that. Like I understand that, but we didn't heard about R. Kelly. We're aware of R. Kelly. So I was trying to find out what you're doing, trying to test the, the roads. What's up? I don't know. So those were the two things that really just bothered me. So next thing I want to get in before I get some of the two last um, listener commentaries for the episode and closing up the show. Um, a lot of the things that bothered me had nothing to do with the show. It had a lot to do with why my friends list is about 20 people short now. I can understand having a difference in opinion. Like I said earlier in the episode, I was definitely one of those people who felt like I could definitely remove the art from the artist. I can enjoy this music and still know that R. Kelly is a shit bag. That was my, my understanding is that I could do that. I could remove that. I didn't have to think about the things that R. Kelly was doing. Just like my friend Chanel just said uh, with Bill Cosby, his art was not associated to anything sexually explicit whatsoever. So it was really easy to sit down, watch Cliff Huxtable in the, in the gang and enjoy that show and think about good times and all that stuff. And then still be like, you know, Cliff Huxtable is a shit, but Bill Cosby's a fucking douche. You can't do that with R. Kelly because he gave us 12 play. 12 play is this explicit, this sexually explicit album it were just about every fucking song is about sex. And then when you watch this documentary and you hear from victims saying that they wrote, he wrote this song about me. He wrote this song about this situation. Now I cannot. Now you fucked up the music for me. I've told all of my friends and I'm absolutely pissed at this nigga. <laughs> Not that, I don't know. I don't know if I you know, if it was somebody different and it was the music was different and the language was different and it wasn't about sex. Could I? I don't know. You know, I believe I can fly isn't about sex, but that wasn't even my favorite fucking song from R. Kelly. 
Um, I enjoyed the the sex songs. I did. I think that he had the voice for it. I enjoyed Trapped in the Closet. I thought it was funny. But then when you put all this shit back to back, back to um, in, in the story and you see how he was using Trapped in the Closet to take your mind off of certain things or he was using this collaboration with this person to take your mind off of something that was out there. Then it starts to become this dark thing where he's using his music as a shield in a sense to keep you guys from knowing who the fuck he really is. And that's where listening to his music becomes dangerous to me and my mental. It don't got to be for you. If you feel like you can listen to um, Seems Like You're Ready and not think about him talking to a 14-year-old girl like that, or if you could listen to uh, My Body's Calling and not hear those undertones and how that could be connected to any of his victims, if you feel like you could do that, by all means, look, listen, I don't give a shit. I'm telling you for me and in, in my car, my ox cord nigga, I can't listen to R. Kelly no more. And like I said, I was just one of those people saying, you know what? I'm going to step in the name of love. Fuck y'all. That's a good fucking song. I am here to let you guys know. And I released a, a statement on my Instagram page. I just can't. I'm hashtag mute R. Kelly 100% now. I can't step step in the name of love. Am I pissed about it? Yes, because I like fucking good music. <laughs> I'm pissed. He has some great songs. And the one thing that's so, uh, is so irritating to me is because he is such a great talent, a such mm, great talent, great writer, even though he can't read or write. How did he do it? <laughs> I'm horrible can't read or write, but he's a great writer. He's a great, you know, he has restructured a lot of people's careers and, um, put people on a pedestal. Shit, even B2K, they're going on their tour. They have several songs written by R. Kelly. Now you think if they take those songs off of their catalogs, if that tour would even be as successful, I'm not sure because they're the audience for B2K is going to want to hear the shit that they heard back in the day. So it's really, excuse me, it's really hard to, um, to drop that music, but it ain't, it ain't really when I think about the background, um, of how all this music was made to what I, I just want you guys to think about this for a second. Just imagine R. Kelly with his helper that's writing for him in a room and he's, he's visualizing things that he's done to people. And in turn, turning those into lyrics, putting them behind a beat, engulfing us in that beat, essentially, engulfing us with his, his voice. His, he's got a beautiful voice. And the production. And, and think about how beautiful that is, but what the message is and the undertones are for those songs. It's, it's fucking disturbing to me. And I can't. I cannot, I can no longer, I'm not that girl, Ah, can't step in the name of love, ain't no more happy people, ain't no more fiesta, bitch, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, we're definitely just can't, I just can't, I have to stand up for little black girls, and, um, I have a little black girl, I was a little black girl, and I just, I, I can't believe he's still here just doing his thing, he's got old ladies fucking, 
wiping his tongue at concerts. Still, he's still touring. Um, but we're moving towards solutions slowly but surely. I've seen since the documentary that was it was released, I've seen people, um, celebrities come forth. I've seen Omarion tank so far. Uh, a lot of different artists that have stepped out. John Legend commend you for even being on this documentary. He said it was nothing to a G because he just don't fuck with sexual predators. And so it was easy for him. He has a daughter, he has a son, you know what I'm saying? And, um, I just, I appreciate the conversation that's going on around this, but I think a lot of the conversation on social media as well is triggering for anybody who might have experienced sexual trauma and assault. Um, I think a lot of people at this point, are trying to turn the conversation into something of comedy, but they don't realize how damaging it is, how hurtful it is. And at, at some point how it starts to feel like trolling, um, because you don't really want to hear anybody's points of views when it comes to it. You might've dealt with this in your life or you might not have, um, but to be that insensitive when it comes to this, because you're so protective of this man who makes great music and you don't want to let go of that is, uh, it's disappointing. Um, the people that I've had to delete are very hoteppy in nature. <laughs> Some of them I expected, but for the most part, I, I will have to say thank you to my friends list. Thank you to the people that I followed. I think, um, I think I, at some point when I did spring cleaning, not too long ago that I did really great at that. So I only saw a few people kind of go off on the hinges uh, in regards to this R. Kelly situation. But um, I think that, you know, overall, I think we're starting to see the tides turn and people starting to understand that it's not, it's not a laughable issue. We look at things that we, we did turn this shit into a joke. When I think about now, I love Dave Chappelle, but when I think about um, Piss on You, the song, I think about the little girl, I don't know, what the fuck she may be going through if she's dealing. I mean, they settled out of court. Um, she, for, for that whole trial, she and the family said that it wasn't her, even though, you know, apparently I haven't seen the video. I never got to see the video. Um, apparently she said it wasn't her. Apparently everybody else, even like the coaches for the basketball team was like, yeah, that's dead ass her. Like, what you mean? So I don't know if she's still, you know, she's in talks with him. She's being paid off by him. Who knows? These are all allegations. I'm not sure what the fuck is going on. But um, it's just sad to see. And it's sad to see uh, how people are, they don't want to really, they're, they're kind of addressing it with comedy instead of really what I encourage. Here's what I encourage. Bring in some of your family, male and female, and really ask them. Bring Actually, if you have friends of different genders, because sometimes family can be weary about these conversations. Um, and it's because of how the perception is. Uh, because of, I've, I, I deleted one of my friends for a few years now. We've been friends for about three, four years on Facebook. And uh, I got to a point of, okay, now I need to protect my peace at this point. And I have to delete you. It's nothing personal, but it is. It's definitely personal. Um, where you start getting to where you're trying to evoke emotions from people by saying, oh, you know what? These girls, these 16-year-old girls, they were definitely old enough to understand what was going on. 
there was money as an incentive, um, you know, there's a difference between 14 to 16 years old. Yes, definitely run into that comment. Um, I had somebody say, compare, you know, um, what is it? You know, y'all, we always like to compare how we treat black men and how we treat white men and white people. I don't know. I feel like, not to go off on a tangent, but black women really be out here for y'all black ass men. <laughs> and y'all don't see it until there's one thing that we criticize you guys about. We be out here, the police be shooting your ass down. We out here with picket signs and we the number ones with the hashtags on Twitters and shit. But the one time we, we have to point the finger in your direction, it's like, we don't never do shit for y'all. We don't have y'all back. It's absolutely crazy. I had to lead a guy that I was friends with since middle school. I wasn't about to go back. I'm not going back and forth. I'll, I'll, I will engage. And then once I realize that ears aren't opened, um, hearts aren't open, minds aren't open, because as much as people want to say, oh, you're getting emotional about that, that is a very fucking emotional topic. You don't just talk logically all the time about sexual assault because if you're somebody who has dealt with that, you there's no logic anymore. You're, you're dealing off of emotion because that is where your your mental has been affected and you you're emotionally off. It's probably you probably can't function right in relationships anymore. You probably your relationships with other people that aren't sexual are probably fucked up. You probably have anxiety. Like yeah. These type of subjects, people are, are likely to get emotional about. Y'all, I mean, we get so upset about 45 and his comments about grabbing pussies and that, of you know what I'm saying? Complete uproar. But when we're talking about R. Kelly, who is, who is it, essentially admitted to us that he likes to grab pussies on occasion and his pussies preferably should be under age. You know what I'm saying? Age ain't nothing but a number. Okay. He wrote that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on. So that being said, I'm going to go to another and we're going to wrap up this episode here shortly. I would like to weigh in on the R. Kelly situation. He is absolutely guilty. Um, that is that is that there. The evidence and the proof is there. I would like to also say that um, it's the parents fault. It's the parents and R. Kelly. R. Kelly did what he did. Um, he should be tried. It wouldn't be double jeopardy because he was tried for child pornography, not for holding people against their will, kidnapping, not for raping a minor, not for the disgusting things he did, um, not for rape, which he needs to be tried for rape. The parents are absolutely wrong in this situation for putting their children in, in that situation. They can't say they didn't know because they called the studio um, looking for their children. So they knew what was going on. This is a grown man with children. Um, a child does not have the capacity. You're talking about 14, 15. When it's a boy that gets shot, it's, oh, he was a child. He had potential. When it's a girl, she's fast. That is absolutely ridiculous. She did not have the mindset to know what was going on. Um, and then the camp. They are absolutely accountable. You see, you see all of these, to continue, you see all of these adults coming out saying that they saw it and they didn't say nothing at the time when they could have stopped this from the beginning they could have absolutely stopped it um it's it's absolutely disgusting that all of this is going on and that you have adults
condoning this. And you see it's the older generation, these women where, oh, they just want money. But these are also the same women that tell their kids, um, nothing leaves this house. Everything stays within this house. Or if something happens, they blame their child. Oh, that never happened to you. Um, stop lying. You don't need to tell people that. And they make their kids feel bad for what happened. Um, there is a problem in the black community. And and that is that. There, this stems from black. You, you can't put this on the white community at this point. I see a lot of people also trying to put this on um oh they're just trying to shut him up no he's absolutely wrong he's absolutely guilty for what he did no one's trying to shut them no one's trying to shut him up this is not on the white community at this point this is on the black community for allowing it for allowing it to continue his camp they're all black people that saw this they're all black people that's condoning this absolute atrocity this mess are are majority black that this is a black community if you see a lot of white people don't too much know who r kelly is they know i believe i comply they know a couple songs they don't know the history and the things that's going on but because it was black little girls there's no problem there's not going to be an uproar um and that in itself is a problem we need to police our own and take care of our own and that means holding him accountable for what he did not making excuses because of his music being that I'm a 90s baby, I didn't see a lot of what's going on. You know, a lot of us are 90s babies. A lot of us are really young. So when it first came out, you know, I, I'm like, okay, you should be able to separate the music from the person. It doesn't negate the fact that he makes good music. But then you watch the documentary and you know, you know that this music stems from him raping and doing these things to, to young girls. How could you morally feel like that's okay um if you you see that as okay um you you know better you do better when you don't know I can honestly admit you know when I'm wrong when you you know you find out something that isn't right I know now so why why is it okay why is anybody okay listening to this music having sex talk having sex you, you know just being okay with this being done to kids it's disgusting then you have people trying to put off what what happened, trying to deflect, saying that, oh, well, you know, white people that rape shouldn't, you know, th their stuff doesn't come out. Why is it just R. Kelly? But that's just a deflector, because if you look and you actually care, you would see that there are documentaries out on them also that Weinstein, a lot of people are talking about, oh, well, why hasn't Weinstein Weinstein went to pretrial in December. He was found that there was enough evidence. His court cases start in March, March of 2019. You're talking about three months. It took R. Kelly six years. It took them six years. And then they found him not guilty. So that, that is not a comparison because something is being done. Although a lot of them get away with it. That does not negate the fact that all of them should be tried for what is going on. Not just one person. Not, oh, he shouldn't be tried because of this person. All of them. All right. Um, I do not want to leave the show on a bad note. I don't think it's a bad note. Um, I'm going to close out the show with a really personal story um, from one of my friends. And I was just surprised that she could be so vocal and transparent about things that she's gone through. An actual survivor um, that's gone through things within our own household 
she'll explain that um, when I do press this voice recording. But to close out this episode, I, I'm definitely closing out with her story because I want it to be an impact. I want this to be something that you think about and that you change your mind as far as, you know, this protection of this crazy protection of R. Kelly. All right. And how it affects people around you and the people that, you know, one in four women and one out of six men. Okay. Have dealt with some kind of sexual trauma. I'm not excluding men because that's another thing that we're doing on social media right now is we don't want to, we don't want to stay on task. We don't want to stay on topic. All right. The conversation of the moment is about R. Kelly and the women that he affected. We're not talking about men. Okay, and uh, we're not talking about the abuse that they go through. Um, I just feel like when you really care about those type of things, you bring them up on your own accord and you don't use them as a way to deflect off topic from the things from the conversation that's going on at hand right now. So if we're talking about R. Kelly and you say, oh, what about? No, let's talk about R. Kelly first. And then once we find out some resolutions, regarding then let's dive into these other layers because essentially that's all that is that's a layer i'm not saying that you're wrong but you're trying to play me for a fool and insult my intelligence by bringing up some completely unrelated thing (laughs) you know what i'm saying not completely unrelated but we're not talking about that right now that is a that is a a branch within the tree and something we definitely need to pay attention to is the abuse of our young boys as well, how we're addressing that. And I think that starts with men talking to men about that. Don't look at me as a black woman. And um, I, I definitely take part in that. I'm a mother to sons, obviously. I think that came out wrong when I said it. But don't look at me when the conversation about this masculinity shit is going around and nobody no I've never seen a man outside of a joke telling them to protect themselves um, protect their bodies to um, treat themselves like temples and to be weary of women older women I posted something earlier in the year or earlier last year about a teacher that took advantage of these these male students and I, I shit you not. Like the conversation was, where were these teachers at when I was growing up? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm posting on my page like, what the fuck is this? This is crazy. This is sexual assault. This is statutory rape. Meanwhile, I have men taking from my link on Facebook, sharing it and bragging. Uh, you know what? Because if y'all need that conversation to be addressed, We're going to have to address it. We're going to have to be honest with ourselves. And you're going to have to be open to that conversation. But like I said, we got to stay on task. We got to stay on topic. We're talking about R. Kelly and why we're defending R. Kelly. So I expect that when that conversation is brought up, that you could probably address that instead of trying to deflect from it. That's all we're asking. Okay, so overall, I just thought I thought this documentary was really good. It put a spotlight. They're applying heavy pressure right now. And apparently, as of current today, there have been charges um, out of Georgia, and, and R. Kelly is now under investigation. So we'll follow that and see how that goes. I think it was well made. This documentary, I think it gave us a glimpse. I think it opened a conversation that definitely needed to be open. 
and uh, hopefully we can continue it and hopefully I don't have to keep deleting motherfuckers. I hope that we can all just be open to conversation. But like I said, I think that when it gets to a point where it starts to be hurtful, when it starts to be trolling and it starts to be disregarding and discrediting people and um, trying to act as if there was some kind of ulterior motive or that the girl was fast or that the parents had uh, are the ones to blame because I understand where there should be some responsibility there. But ultimately, we need to put this responsibility for acting like a grown ass adult on the grown ass adult that's taking advantage of the teenage person in question. So any gender, whatever, if you're a grown ass person taking advantage of a kid, someone who is under 18, because legally, you know, depending on your state, most of the time it's 18. If you're taking advantage of these kids, then you need to be dealt with. (laughs) Period. The girls say period. Um, so closing out the show, like I said, I'm going to close this out with a story uh, of survival and I will see you guys next week on the next episode. Y'all stay blessed. Y'all stay in your peace. All right. Don't let nobody, don't go back and forth with these Negroes in 2019. If, if it starts to get too much, if you start getting like me, your test, your your uh, your chest starts getting tight, and you feel irritated because you just your point is not getting conveyed. Um, I encourage you to just to walk away and to preserve your peace. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in, and um, like I said, we're gonna listen to this story together, and I'll see you guys and talk to you guys next week. Hi, so this is Alicia Farias, and I'm so excited to be a part of this episode of So There's That with Keitha Kentucky. Um, I was uh, invited on this episode to give my point of view on the um, Surviving Surviving R. Kelly docuseries. A little history about myself. Um, I'm a 32-year-old single mother. Um, I'm also a survivor of some of the things that we all witnessed during that episode. My father and mother passed away before I was eight years old, and I was left in the care of my dad's two younger brothers and my grandmother, Um, the two youngest boys. My dad was the oldest. Those uh, two youngest brothers sexually assaulted me from the age of six to 16. I lost my virginity when I was six years old. Lost my virginity when I was six years old and um, I was actually um, just doing things every day. I was having sex every day because I lived with them. So I'm talking oral, anal. Um, I was video recorded. Um, Polaroids taken of me um, from the age of six to 16 on a regular basis. Um, not only were they taking these videos of me, they were selling the um, the footage to other, uh, I guess, sickos. Um I didn't even know they were selling it, but they were definitely recording me. And so um, uh, with with the docuseries, it definitely hit home for me because I, de- I knew exactly what they were talking about as far as the, the things they had to go through, some of the things they had to do, um, the mind warp, the brainwashing that these women go through um, is very detrimental and people, it's hard for them to understand what you're going through.
Um, I think the one thing that really touched my heart and made me get emotional was watching Sparkle talk about Andrea and how she was on the couch and how Andrea had to knock to get out to get something to eat and how Sparkle was like, oh, hell no, couldn't be me. That broke my heart because I've been there before where I've had cousins and relatives go, I mean, well, why? Why did you sit there and take it? It couldn't have been me. And if you really didn't want it, you would have said something. And it's people were so judgmental when I first came out when I was 16. And I asked, also struggled with the fact that my uncles, he had his own daughter. He had a daughter that was about a year older than me. There were other cousins in my family around the same age as I that were more beautiful than me. And my cousin, the, his daughter was more beautiful than I was. And I couldn't understand why me? Why pick me and not them? And, you know, I'm not saying I wish bad things upon my relatives, but it, it really made me think, why were they choosing me? And and you have to understand with my parents passing away, I was passed around a lot from home to home, relative to relative until I actually settled with my grandmother and my two uncles. So now I'm in the stage where I'm just doing whatever I'm told to do. I'm very submissive, very timid, very polite, do-goody kid who doesn't want to be sent somewhere else. So that's a prime target. That's like that's like a prime target for someone like that where they know that I'm vulnerable. They know that I'm going to do as I'm told. And that is why they targeted me and not my cousins and not his own daughter. Uh, but for it hurts because um, for her to be so judgmental of Andrea and then end up in the same position with her niece. That's how the, that's how, that's how the universe works. Be careful what you say. Couldn't be me because it comes back. Another thing that stood out in the docuseries that um, was, I don't know if it was a, a psychologist or one of R. Kelly's brothers who said that when you are in that position where you're being controlled and you're being manipulated, once you find your own power and you get in the position, you totally take advantage of that. And I was guilty of that. You know, once I ended up getting my own boyfriend and I started having sex on my own terms at about 16 years old, I realized that sex wasn't so bad. Sex is pretty cool when you're with somebody that you like and it's under your terms. And not to mention the fact that I was an expert at sex. At, by that age, I was doing anal, oral, all types of things. So I realized how much power I had just based off of how much my boyfriend was pleased by me and how much he was in love with me because of my sex. So when I was an adult, I took full advantage of that. You know, once I joined the military, um, I was knocking them down. You know, uh, that toxic behavior that I learned, that control through sex, um, I started doing it myself. Whereas I would meet these guys in the military and I'm dating and I'm super promiscuous now because now I got the power. I realize what my sex can do. If I like you, I can make you like me because of my sex. And I took full advantage of that. And it wasn't until I realized that, okay, you got to slow down. You know, you're doing too much and this is toxic. So thank God it was just the fact that I was promiscuous. Thank God, you know, there's people who are abused that end up being an abuser, like a pedophile. And I'm so glad that my life didn't turn into some of these stories that I hear with other people, but um, I definitely walked away from that situation with some with some ghosts, with some demons, with some toxic behaviors that some that I'm still working on. So um, not sure what else I can add to this besides the fact that I'm a 
um, with my, also with my father, um, I, I, my, I have an adoptive father. He was the couple that took me in during the investigation and he had to actually watch the footage of the sexual tapes of me and I identify me. And he said it was one of the hardest things he had to do in his life to see some of the things that I had to endure and do. And they had to do this at each age. So I had, he had to watch me at six, watch me at seven, watch me at eight so that they can rack up the counts of um, sexual assault. And so, you know, it's very painful to see some of the stuff I see on the timeline as far as uh, people's opinions about this type of stuff. You'd be surprised how many people you work with, people in your family who don't see things the way you see things as far as abuse. And I've just been protecting my peace. Um, I've been deleting people. I haven't responded. I haven't even talked about it on social media because there's no point of engaging with people who are sick minded. So yeah, that concludes my take on uh, a little bit of what I've gone through and how I feel about the docu-series and R. Kelly and his victims. Um, if you have any more questions for me, you know, if you want to get more deep into some of the just specific things you want to know, just hit me up. Um, just want to tell you I'm so proud of you, Keitha, and I love what you're doing. I love your um, the fact that you are actually uh, taking people's opinions on this Uh Wish you the best and I hope this helps. And again, everybody stay tuned to So There's That because my girl is killing it. Love you.